Minds and Minds Podcast is the perfect wrestling podcast. There's a guy named Al and there's Daniel and there's guy Mike Eagle is there as well. Tides and Minds Podcast. Tides and I'm just a podcast. <laughs> We're three people talking about wrestling. <laughs> I'm just a wrestling podcast. Wrestling podcast. I'm not the other kind of podcast. <laughs> other kind of podcast. <laughs> Everybody, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. Oh my god! Welcome to Tights and Fights. I didn't know our podcast had a mustache. <laughs> <laughs> This is the show that discusses wrestling <laughs> with the sincerity and hilarity that it deserves. I'm the 10th wonder of the world, if you're counting. Hal Lublin, I'm joined in the booth by my fellow leaders of the nation of conversation, the Smarkitect, Danielle Radford. <laughs> Hello. Smarkitect. Smarkitect. And the winner of the King of the Sing tournament, mm -hmm. Open Mike Eagle. La, 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 la. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's what I won with. <laughs> that was it. That, that's a it's a huge hit for you. I know. I'm really happy. It's burning up the charts. Go to iTunes, download it. It's only 99 cents. Right under Welcome to My House. Mm -hmm. It's right <laughs> under Hear the knock on the door and it's time to download <laughs> La 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 by Open Mike Eagle. Coming up on this week's show, a spiked Swiss Superman, zigzagging tears, total nonstop buyouts, and plenty more. But first, let's talk about Clash of Champions. Last week, we talked about our decided lack of enthusiasm for Raw's first brand-exclusive pay-per-view. Now that we've all seen it and had some time to digest it, I liked the show. I really loved the women's match. Uh, I'm having trouble remembering anything else on the card. Oh, I liked Jericho Zane. thought that was good. I liked Seamus Cesaro. thought those were good. But overall, I wasn't super thrilled with the pay-per-view as compared to the SmackDown pay-per-view, not just because I'm I'm more of a fan of SmackDown, but because I felt like the show was a letdown because they didn't give us any matches that we haven't already seen in one way or another. What did you guys think, Mike? Uh, I don't like Raw at all. Yeah, <laughs> really? I don't. I Coming don't. out official? No, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm done. Like I, I would. Uh, I have I have I have flirted with the idea of not watching Raw anymore. I really have, because this week it it just solidified it for me. Outside of Chris Jericho's mustache, there's nothing I want to <laughs> see on this show. Like they just, I feel like the show is written by people who don't like me. You know what I mean? I really do. I feel like there's nothing that they do makes any sense, and it's all just like I mean seriously. They did a whole episode of Raw where the first hour was two matches from the night before <laughs> like i can't i just can't i, I just, i'm having i'm having real i'm having real troubles with raw right now as a brand i really am having i'm having issues well I, danielle i want to get your thoughts but but i also want to talk about the opening match of the night with uh, new day which is great they always want to start pop the crowd and then they brought out the club who came out focused i actually loved the start of the match mm -hmm. with the club taking out Big E. 
and then taking out Xavier Woods. I was kind of hoping that they would just hit their finisher on Kofi Kingston and steal the titles right away. Like, oh, that would be a great start to the show and, and would sort of jar us. But then it, it just felt like business as usual over and over again. What Do you feel like that's the case? I know you're I know you don't want to admit yet <laughs> we're in day we're, we're in what week three. Of your holdout? Holding strong. <laughs> holding, oh, are you holding strong? Yo, I'm a suffragette. Okay. You ain't yeah. feeding me them eggs. <laughs> <laughs> holding out. I admit nothing. So what did you think of the show then? Well, to begin with, I definitely, definitely called it Sunday Night Raw on Twitter. <laughs> for sure. Oh, I for sure called it. Um, I thought so much of it that I uh, made other plans and watched it later. I, wow. It's fine. I did. I watched it. It was a perfectly serviceable episode of Raw. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I liked the women's match. The women's match was great. It. I mean, I know a lot of people aren't super psyched on them having it be a triple threat, but with Sasha in the condition that she is in and to protect her, you have to do it as, as a triple threat. Plus, there it gives them more chance to tease when Sasha finally does turn in like three years or whenever. So if nothing else, we kind of get that. But I just, ugh, I'm not, Clash of Champions was not necessarily my bag, but I, I, I'm keeping in mind that I may be a little pay-per-view burned out. Like it feels, I, I put this on Twitter, it, it feels like an episode of the Twilight Zone where someone gets crushed by the thing they love most. <laughs> That's how I feel about pay-per-views right now, where it's like, I love this, I love you, but there's pay-per-views and there's Lucha and there and, and thank goodness that the CWC just ended because there's there's almost too much wrestling that I want to watch. It's a great position to be in, but it, it means that meh pay-per-views like Clash of Champions that I may have had more fun with before the brand split feel very skippable. Mm-hmm. And that's a bummer. I think that that is something where it's starting to suffer for me. Yeah, but that's on the product and that's on the creative team. The, the SmackDown pay-per-view, which was two weeks ago, felt fresh. It felt like it was well executed. All the matches were enjoyable, even if there weren't a ton of huge surprises. It was just well executed down the line. Then you have what should be the superior brand. They have more time. They have a bigger roster. They've got a, a, a certainly a deeper bench. And then they turn out something that feels as expected. Every time I got into a match, it ended the way I expected it to. Maybe, maybe one of the few exceptions was that match between Jericho and, and Zayn, which told a good story and then ended abruptly with a surprise. The women's match, match of the night, by far, it's hard to have a bad match with those three women. But if they book it to surprise us and to shake things up, then all of a sudden it doesn't feel like you're just going through the paces. Because that's that's the thing of watching that much wrestling is it's it turns into paint by numbers. All right, I got to watch the pay-per-view and then Raw and then SmackDown. Mm. And if all of that feels the same, then really the brand split is all for naught because they're not holding our attention or making us want to watch anymore. Yeah, because all the Raw superstars are in the exact same positions they were in pretty much before the brand split, you know. And nothing's it's just, changed. It's, it's, it, nothing's changed. And it's been, we've been in like a, a year-long holding pattern, I feel like. And SmackDown, mm-hmm. they've they've done a lot to change people's positions and change people's presentations just in storylines and in terms of importance and giving people different platforms. And on Raw, it's just, it is the exact same. It's comforting. I don't know. It's like an old, moth-eaten, smelly-ass blanket. It smells. Well, <laughs> speaking of things that might smell, let's talk about that Cesaro-Sheamus matchup. 
match seven of their best of seven series. A lot of people are sounding off on Twitter and our Facebook pages that the match um, was really memorable, but not for the reason WWE would have liked. Of course, we had the no contest finish where they were both carted off. I didn't have as huge a problem with that. However, in the heat of the contest, Cesaro performed the classic suicide dive out onto Sheamus, and it did not go well. Basically, Cesaro leapt out without properly setting his arms, it looked like, and he landed right on his head. Let's hear that moment and pay attention to how it even freaks the commentators. Seamus. Tope Suicida head first, literally first connecting with Seamus, but then Cesaro spiking himself. I want to see if we can get a a look here. Watch Cesaro. Cesaro's eyes. Cesaro's eyes literally rolled up the back of his head after he hit. So bad, so bad. Michael Cole had an emotion. Yeah, Michael Cole. (laughs) Michael Cole and, and, and Byron, they have the exact same, oh my God, now. Um, it's kind of like, like when two ladies start living together and they get on the same cycle. You know? <laughs> or people who dress like their dogs. Yeah, yeah. dress their exactly. dogs like them. Exactly. If you dress like your dog, you're just naked. Don't do that. So, <laughs> look, guys. He's wearing a collar. <laughs> he's just wearing well, that's a, collar. a different kind of party. <laughs> the password at the door is rubric. <laughs> so, we know that wrestling is a really risky business. And these people are putting their their lives and their health on the line every time they step in the ring. But Danielle, do you think it's time for the suicide dive to be eliminated in the same way that the chair shot to the head and the pile driver have been eliminated? I don't think it's time to eliminate it, but we got to stop doing it once a match. Hello. There's no reason. They're doing it every <clears throat> single match now. And it's different, you know, when when dudes are doing the conhilos, at least you've got like 80-something dudes there to catch you. When you're doing the suicide dives, it's like just you and you got to turn right and just hope that you don't hit another person or an audience member um, or yourself in the head. And it's it's not fresh or exciting or interesting when it happens every match either. And a move that has that much potential to go wrong should feel dangerous because it is dangerous. But when you're doing it every match, sometimes multiple times a match, now you're taking something dangerous that is both um, storyline, kayfabe dangerous, and for real life dangerous, and you're making it just feel like someone bouncing off the ropes or whatever. Like, it doesn't feel like anything, and that is a shame. Um, and so I think we've started taking it for granted until someone like Biggie or Sasha or Cesaro murders themselves. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Mike? Um, I think that, yeah, they should stop doing it. And the reason that they should stop doing it is because in the WWE environment, it doesn't look good. I was watching, um, I think, an old Nitro the other day and saw somebody that did a suicide dive. And Nitro had those old guardrails that were just the metal slats. And so when you did it, it hit the other person and it moved the entire thing back and it made the move look so much more impactful. In a WWE environment, where that rail does not move at all, Mm-mm. it just it just looks stupid. It just yeah. looks like there's no give, and the perts and the person taking it gets pushed a little bit, and the person giving it just drops straight to the floor. Yeah, and it it's looks, just it looks like the bumpers in a bowling alley. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It it doesn't it doesn't look good. And 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 like Danielle said, for all of the risk that it takes, it's it's really. It doesn't make any sense to do it in that environment because it doesn't look right. It, it looks like if you see it in an indie show, it still looks good because if they have the rails that move, it looks good. But how stiff the rail is there, it's just it's pointless, really. Yeah, I, th- I think of it like if you're writing a script or a story and editing it, 
you, you look for the things you can remove that are not essential to the story being told well. Is this is a suicide dive necessary to tell a good wrestling story? A lot of times, no. Especially in the case where it's a high-risk maneuver for Cesaro. He comes really close to to spiking himself in a, in a very, very dangerous Oof. way. And then it winds up being a no contest. And we find out the next night that they're just doing that mismatched tag team partners who hate each other thing. And now they have a shot at the tag team titles. And so that's like a waste. That is a waste on top of a waste on top of a waste. I love those kinds of stories, but it made no sense based on what came before. And it highlights how ridiculously risky those moves are for for no purpose yeah his eyes when he came up are not worth um uh, not worth the uh, moving it to a tag team situation right well let's move to a program that's near and dear to one of the three of our hearts <laughs> <laughs> you can find it on the l ray network if you have the l ray network you can hear people talking to us on Twitter about it, saying, "How come Al and Mike don't watch Lucha Underground?" They're so mad. They're so mad. They're, They're real so mad. I get DM. I get angry people. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you mean you don't watch Lucha? Sorry. Yo, yeah, calm just, down. Yo, just just message me. Don't <laughs> don't use me to. Th- I do. I feel like I'm being used to like throw you both under the bus, and it was real fun for a week. I am not gonna lie. But like, don't don't be angry. <laughs> don't be angry in their DMs. Just message no, me. We'll talk. Well, <laughs> message no longer. Don't message anybody because right now we've got a new segment <laughs> called Danielle Explains Lucha Underground. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. Um, <laughs> Sell us. All right. And so uh, as as all of you, I think, know, we do tape these on Wednesdays before Lucha comes on. So it's always going to be a week behind. But I'm going to try my best to talk about it. And I won't necessarily talk about the entire show, but I'm going to talk about the parts of the show that I particularly um, really enjoyed. <laughs> Although it's an hour long, so I might get to all of it. Who knows? <laughs> so the first thing that happens is Dario Cuerto, who he is the Vince McMahon of the show, um, but he's like a, an, a blatant kayfabe cokehead and not just that people think he might be. So he opens it up. He's got like this wheel of fortune that's his like wheel to see who will take on the champion. And the champion is his brother who he kept locked in a cage <laughs> for like a lot of years. And he wears like the key around his neck no, so that he can like, no. yeah, yeah, yeah. So what's the, his name? What's this, what's the, what's this monster person's the name? The monster yeah. is Mantanza. <laughs> okay. Does that mean monster? It, it means something. Okay. And so he he is going to do, and his brother looks like, um, a wide Mexican Jason Voorhees. So you have wide Mexican Jason Voorhees in a bloody smock, and he fights this dude named the Mac, who is this like really dope, fast-moving, big black dude who's shaped like every man I've ever loved. And <laughs> they fight. Mac does stunners, and he does a lot of like throwbacks to Stone Cold. That's super fun, but he like doesn't get the title. He was on Andy's for a while, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. A lot of these yeah. guys you're gonna recognize from the Indies or from WWE or a lot. Of PWG dudes. It was the Mac in the in the cruiserweight classic. No, 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 no. He's not a cruiserweight. Okay, he a big dude. All right. And then there's this really fun vignette, which is this guy named Son of Havoc, who was really, really injured a few weeks back, and he's recovering with his mom, Mama Panda Havoc, aka Linda Havoc, and they call her Mama Havoc on the show. No, no, but there's this dude on there named um, Mascarita Sagrada. 
and he is a mini wrestler, and they're just chilling on the couch watching TV. I love it. And the mom comes in, and he's like, oh, well, thank you so much, Mrs. Havoc. And she's like, oh, no, Mrs. Havoc was my mom. My name is Linda. <laughs> and then feeds them bagel bites. Oh. And so I get that's Danielle's Lucha recap. All right. I might, I might be you. in tonight. I might. I I'm, might. Every time I'm telling you, it's so dope. I might, I might replace the CWC with a little Lucha until they beat up some woman, and then I'm, I'm going to get turned <laughs> off all over again. It does sound like the house party that would happen in an 80s college comedy. <laughs> like, and then the midget's eating bagel bites with the woman. Her name is Linda Havoc, and she's the mother of the son of Havoc. So she's Havoc, you get it. And then uh, El, El Trontador comes out, and he's got, he's got uh, twin brothers that are locked in a chicken coop. And then they're wrestling for control of a Vespa from 1974. You kind of sound like you should announce for him. I feel like it'd be yeah. a good fit. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Lucha Underground. <laughs> Tonight, the brawl to end it all. By all I mean, get those people out of that drainage ditch that we locked them in. It's drainage ditch pole key on a match. <laughs> Only on Lucha Underground, El Rey Network. Guys, I'm available. <laughs> if that wasn't enough of a demo reel for you. All right, let's go hashtag back. Hashtag hire Hal. Hashtag hire Hal. Hire Hal. Hashtag hire Halbert. Hire Halbert. <laughs> Halbert. <laughs> Please bring me aboard. All right, let's move on to a show that was not cut off by debates or football or because it's an hour-long show and we got to move this along, so we only heard a little bit of what happened, but it was quite a feast. SmackDown officially has the most overachieving feud in recent memory. Dolph Ziggler and The Miz have feuded for the IC title for a long time, not just in the past few months, but throughout their career. Now, though, a feud that really started with the shoot promo on Daniel Bryan has progressed to become a more personal story and and the heat. I, I, I don't think that there is a heel in the company right now who has more heat on him than The Miz. Him showing up backstage last night and putting a portrait of himself over a picture of LeBron James <laughs> oh, holding the so NBA good. title was, was so fantastic. <laughs> so you've got great matches so far. You've got great promos. And now you've got Ziggler tears as last night Ziggler put his career on the line for another shot at Mrs. Intercontinental Championship. Let's hear a clip of that right now. And maybe my career didn't always turn out the way I thought it would, you know? I thought it would have been better. I thought I, I thought I earned something. I thought I would be a bigger star, but you know what? I just can't stop myself. I can't, but you, you, you put that title up one more time. Listen to me, Miz! <laughs> put that title up one more time. And I'll put up my entire career. Wait a second, Danielle, <laughs> I don't know what you're laughing up? about. It feels like a mocking laugh. He cried <laughs> and... in front of his family! <laughs> wow! <laughs> oh, that's so cool. <laughs> You just turned into every like attitude era wrestling fan. He cried in front of his family. (laughs) Well, Danielle, what have you thought of the build of this feud so far? Um, I thought that that was great. I love that they both have that like Cleve that uh, you know Cleveland or since you know they all have that because because the Miz is also from like a suburb. Of that yes, area. His father owned some hamburger place, which was referenced 
during that segment. He goes, yeah. I know my father owns Taco Town or whatever. <laughs> Get all of Jimbo Burgers later. Again, it sounded like two characters from Lucha Underground. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, wh- I, sorry. Tell me tell um, me more. No, I you know, it's I have been saying forever that Dolph has to do something different. The only reason, and I think while I'm laughing, is A, because Dolph's acting was fucking terrible. <laughs> it, was, you really? it was fine in the end, but in the beginning when he's like, it never goes I just think it's gonna go sometimes no matter how hard you try you know I really liked it I know I don't know I I know you did look nobody's getting an Oscar for this no nobody's getting an Oscar no the Miz could get one the Miz could get one the Miz should at least I wish they would bring back the Cable Ace Awards just to give him (laughs) one because you know he would walk around with that like strapped around his neck oh it would be so great he would make it into a belt and it would be amazing yeah so yeah no like that so for that that's why I'm laughing is because it's like he's it's like those first it's one of the and I've talked about how like he's been doing this underdog routine for so long that after a while you're not the underdog anymore you're just a loser you uh, eventually an underdog has to get something and he hasn't and so I like that they are going towards well we've got to build up some actual stakes and he's got to leave or like not leave or whatever right Um, but on the other hand it's also like this is the whiniest I have ever, and I feel so bad because masculinity is not that fragile, and it's okay. You're all, everyone's allowed to cry, everyone's allowed to be sad. But I'm just saying, if if I'm a comedian and if I had a friend come up to me like, it never goes the way, man or woman, I would be like, well, honey, maybe this isn't for you. <laughs> May, have Have you thought about online school? Like I would suggest, some, it just doesn't go. Anyone, man, woman. And anyone, if you've been, if I was watching someone just eat it in front of audiences as a comic for that long, and they came to me crying one night in front of their dad, I would definitely <laughs> take them to the bathroom and be like, maybe, um, have you thought about being a paralegal? Because, but I love, th- I love that they're using that. This is something SmackDown is doing so well is using what all of us are talking about on the internet and message boards. And as Bruce Pritchard said, we have never ever drawn a check or a living <laughs> off of anything inside the ring. So what do we know? But True story. we all have opinions that we're sharing all the time. And their creative team is really smart about picking up on that and going, hey, there's the story. Mm-hmm. So th- so now we're I- acknowledging Miz is saying what all of us are saying online, but doing it as a bully. And then Ziggler's like, hey, you're right. He's not going to do that normal wrestler thing of like, I'm still going to beat you because I'm the best. He's like, yeah, you're right. I My career sucks. Yeah. <laughs> it's nowhere near. I got real close and then failed. And now I, now I have nothing left. This is the only thing I have left to, to mm. barter with you that will get me this this one shot. And I do think you can take it somewhere really interesting now that he is broken yes. Dolph Ziggler. And yes, we can figure out where Dolph to Ziggler. go next. So, so, Mike, what do you do? Do you put the title on Ziggler now? Or absolutely not. Yeah, you, no. he has to you go. Him? No, he no, because because this is the thing. If if you end this storyline at Ziggler winning the title, he will be cheered for all of two weeks, and then he won't get he won't have any more sympathy. I think the way that you take the story in an interesting way is that you really have him hit bottom. You really have him go lower than low, disappear him, and then, you know, find some creative way to bring him back, I think is the way to do this. I don't think that you, I don't think the title is a happy enough ending. I don't think it, it's going to be the satisfying reward for this journey that we're on with him as a character right now. I think it's going to be really easy for us to bail on him again if he just wins his title right now. Unless you turn him. 
Have it be that he is so desperate that he turns heel and then he wins the you title. You can't turn heel on The Miz, though, man. He's the I biggest know. heel yeah. there is right now. You I can't know. turn heel on him. Let me let me make two suggestions real quick, and then, and then we'll take a break. One is you do have him lose and disappear. And there's been talk that they're going to put him in a stable with Jack Swagger and Shelton, Shelton Benjamin, Benjamin yep. and make him like a shooter stable. Really? So have him come back as, as Nick Nemeth or whatever his actual name is. So Dolph Ziggler does retire. But Nick Nemeth is now here, and he's Nick Nemeth's a great name. He's gonna mess you up. It's a fantastic name. Two, have him win, and then the next week have him lose, and have that send him to snap. Like he finally thinks it's gonna go his way, and then the Miz wins it back, and he goes crazy and and throws a tantrum because there is money to be made out of that moment where he wins it. You just can't have him go back to being underdog. You have to figure out whatever they do. It's got to be about what's next. Right. That's true. Yeah. So yeah, underdog is done. Yeah, he's been underdog, underdog for seven years. Yeah, the underdog is from the underground now. And <laughs> If you want to share your opinion on the stories we talked about or want to bring up something we didn't, like how great Alexa Bliss is, be sure to find our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash tights fights. After a break, we're going to talk about what could be one of the biggest shakeups that the wrestling industry has seen in quite a while. Yeah, it's that big of a deal. You're listening to Tights and Fights. I'm Barbara Gray. I'm Brandy Posey. And I'm Tess Barker. We're Lady to Lady. Do you want to sleep over in your ears? Is that a friend in your pocket or are you just podcast to see me? We're a portable hangout you can bring to the gym, on the subway, or on an oil rig. Seriously, we have listeners who do that. Show with us while we get high with Margaret Cho. Talk showgirls with Katya from Drag Race. And hear Broadway star Anthony Rapp sing Hamilton. I am not throwing away my shot. (laughs) I am not throwing away my shot. Hey yo, I'm just like my country. I'm young, scrappy, and hungry, and I'm not throwing away my shot. That's Lady to Lady. Can you keep a secret? Neither can we. Fights. I'm Hal Lublin. With me in the booth to talk about all things wrestling are Danielle Radford and the Midnight Re- Michael Eagle. Oh my goodness! <laughs> I thought he was back. Mike, yeah, you wouldn't no. believe who was just here for a moment. <laughs> no, <laughs> I think I heard him leave. No, oh, my goodness. Every week, we like to take a look at one particular corner of the wrestling world that deserves extra attention. This is our main event. Ding, ding, ding. Dave Meltzer, one of the most well-regarded wrestling internet insiders, says that TNA is running out of means to sustain itself as a company. On Wrestling Observer Radio, Meltzer said that they will need to sell by this Friday if they want to fund their pay-per-view, Bound for Glory, on Sunday. This comes on the heel of Pro Wrestling Insider reporting that WWE and TNA President Dixie Carter have been in negotiations over the past several days to make a sale. So to frame this properly... Until we get official word from either company, this is all going off of reports, which may or may not be accurate. But with how much these words are heating up, we feel like we have to imagine what WWE owning TNA would mean. So to start off, Danielle, what's the first thing that comes to mind when you hear the phrase TNA owned by WWE? Stripped for parts. Okay. That's it. I can't imagine. I mean, they might let them do Bound for Glory. I'm sure that that would be part of it. And they might do a couple of months of things. But I can't imagine that TNA would continue on 
as even a brand. I think they're going to take what they can, put all that AJ Styles stuff on the network so that people can see all of that work and all of the the work of, you know, WWE wrestlers who went to TNA and did work. Like, you know, you got some years of Ric Flair there Mm -hmm. after he had, you know, quote unquote, retired because someone loved him too much and all of that other, you know, so (laughs) you're going to get a you're going to get a lot of Brooke Hogan. There's just so much benefit to putting all of that up on the network. I think that's what's going to happen. And I I would love it if they continue. And it sucks because I'm just starting to like be interested in TNA again. They're in an interesting position here, right? Because this is closer to the ECW and WCW acquisitions than it is when they bought the tape libraries for AWA and the old Mid-South and and all the world uh, world-class championship stuff. All the all the 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 archives that they do own. So you don't think that there's any chance I, I don't know that an invasion angle is likely because they've there's been no real competition there. It's been <laughs> the funk is on a roll plays. <laughs> yeah. He comes in, he's like, I ain't a hip hop dinosaur, and then just starts hitting. I just don't. <laughs> and then he dances. <laughs> you can't fight the inner dinosaur. But this is closer to <laughs> to me. This is closer to ECW. This is a company that was smaller and helped maybe introduce some people to the mainstream. Certainly helped AJ Styles become more prominent in the U.S. scene you could argue. So there is a chance they could try to spin off the brand and, and do something with it, but it, it does feel like it's they're going to strip it for parts like the library. Mike, we've talked about TNA a few times on the show, and you've, you've said you've been really disappointed by the direction it's headed in recent years. So do you think it's so far gone that it should just be stripped for parts and put out of its misery? Or do you think it would be better off being rehabilitated and fixed? You know, it's funny. I just happened... Uh, to watch last week's episode and and I watched it because uh, Cody was debuting and I wanted to see what that looked like and I think I'd watched a little bit of when Sandow debuted but I this week I tried to watch the entire episode and I found it to be very very shitty I found it to be (laughs) shittier than I even remember I I just there's something there's some disconnect with their production there's something wrong. I think that the the, the eight sided ring, how, six sided ring. Six sides. I think there's a problem there. Yes, never uh, worked for me. Yeah, and and I think it used to work because I feel like their production used to be a little bit higher grade. I know they've had to uh, cut a lot of costs, and I feel like they're working with worse people now. I've found myself so many times during this episode. And I probably only made it half. I didn't even make it to Cody's debut. Wow, um, really? I found myself so many times watching matches where like. All of the action is filmed from like from from cameramen at individual parts of the ring, like mm-hmm. like kind of like out right outside the ring, and there's no like hard camera or anything above. So it just constantly looked like guys in a corner, but I couldn't tell which corner, and like I couldn't tell like what part of the ring they were in, and it just yeah. seemed so claustrophobic and weird. And they're in a weird little studio somewhere. Um, it's just. Everything, everything just seemed to not be coming across well visually. I was um, pleased at what, you know, Matt and Jeff are doing because they are so over in this space and it's mm. great. You can tell like they've, it's taken a lot of work for them to get over like, the, you know, the delete thing and he puts his arm out and everybody says it. I'm like, OK, that's cool. But even that they got over on that stuff with all of the production they did outside of that environment. 
inside of it, it's just not working. It's making all the guys look shitty to me. It's making all the matches look shitty to me. And they have talent. They have yeah. excellent talent. They have talent for so, sure. So then, but then couldn't it be fixed? Because one thing WWE brings to the table, whether you like their current product or not, whichever show you watch, is they they their production crew, their physical production is second to none. But part of the reason that they've probably had to accept downgraded production is that they owe so many people so much money. Right. So, so, so WWE purchases them. But then they've also purchased the debt and there's no reason to keep it going if they have that much debt. Although isn't the val- isn't the, the entire purchase value, isn't it like $2 million? Could they be in, Right, but they, in, could, they could owe more than they're even worth. That's true. That's true, but also, are you buying it just for the tapes? Yes, that's that's, that's all it. they can make money no off of. No talent. Well, no, they I, they would take talent because they're they're going to take Matt Hardy if they if they buy it. Like they've been they've been putting sending overtures out to him for weeks now. Um, so they'll take Hardy. I imagine they might take Lashley. Um, Easy maybe, three. But I don't even see C three. Honestly, I can see I don't, it. I don't. I don't. Put I don't him on see NXT. It. Maybe not put him on one of the other ones right away. But do you like EC three? Sure. <laughs> I, I don't hate him. I think he's a uh, I think that he's a dude who works really really hard with what he's been given and I almost when it comes to TNA because again like as as they have dropped in networks and the statue that yeah. they've had in networks yeah. it's to, like I'm I think I'm going to be shooting the next like Bound for Glory with my <laughs> with my iPhone. I think that, that's how that's going to work. It's going to be four Daniels with iPhones. Like what are we I don't know. Just keep the the truck Daniel 2, Daniel 2. I'm going to crossfade to Daniel 3. Daniel 3 and 5 4 3 2. No, Daniel 3, not 2. Sorry. It's just us with like our cell phones on like right. selfie sticks and that's all. That's what Bound for Glory is going to be. So I don't I never judge a lot of those guys on how they, because I because there is that and I don't I feel like anybody who's on there is doing the best work that they can be doing and you know there's a reason why when you pull so many of those guys from that environment they go off and shine there is there's talent there right and so I can't I'm not going to judge EC3 by what's happening in TNA because I feel like he can probably he has more potential than has been able to be seen with the limitations yeah. Of a Corrigan run show, and and there are some guys there who are ready. Oh, Corrigan, it's so <laughs> odd to hear. I know there are some people on that roster who are ready to go up to the main roster. There are other people, maybe like EC3, who you throw into NXT, which is not really a demotion anymore. No, and not, and that's not even saying NXT is better than TNA, even though it is. It's that it's it's more than a developmental territory. So it's a great place to work. It's a brand where you can sell merchandise. They sell out big arenas when they go there. And you're getting to work with the next crop of talent and build relationships that will help carry you into a main roster role when you're when you're ready and you're entrenched in the style. So, Danielle, should this sale go through, how would you like the promotion to be used? Is it just for, like, do they start mentioning it? What do they do with those championships? Because the, the one thing they did with WCW and ECW is they established those championships and then eventually folded them in. So do you just go, hey, TNA existed all of a sudden. We're going to we're gonna acknowledge it. Here's where Sting was for 10 years when he didn't come here. Here's, here's where Hogan was when we decide he's, he, his racism is tolerable now. We're going to bring him back into the company or whatever. <laughs> like, here are all these people. Here's, by the way, R-Truth, the guy who ran out at the Royal Rumble and tried to throw a ladder into the ring, he's a former world champion. Now we're right. going to tell you that. So how do you... I think you do integrate it storyline-wise. 
I don't know what they're going to do about the belts. I don't think you integrate those in with the history of WWE in the same way that, you know, when when because they didn't integrate any of the ECW belts, did they? No, they but no. well, even though the ECW title appeared, they they, yeah. they recreated the brand and then they they established those titles again. And, right. then, and then I think they wound up folding them back in. Yeah, I, I don't know if they're gonna. I don't know if they're gonna announce like make the TNA titles be a part. I think at this point with the brand split, it would be too confusing. Um, if at any point, and when I say at any point, I mean two years, five years tops, they go ahead and reintegrate the brands. Right. At that point, we may get them acknowledging some TNA titles, but especially now that there is so much emphasis being put on, you know. Uh, 16 time champion, 16 time champion, 16 time champion for John Cena. You can't fold in the titles now and make them a part of that history. Okay. Because wouldn't that, doesn't that give Flair another like eight championships? I don't know. I wouldn't watch it. <laughs> but wouldn't true. it give him like another like 14, 18 championship runs? It could. I could. I've, I've lost count of how many <laughs> championships he's held. You could also bring just the champions onto the show and fold their titles in, have them sort of invade. Have they somebody retained? Never going to do that. No, of course they will. I'm saying you could. All right, yeah. one last question to both of you. How valuable do you think that TNA is to WWE? So is this a worthwhile purchase for McMahon and company to make, assuming, as we all are, that it's the archives of videos and maybe even a couple of the wrestlers who are under contract over there? Is this a worthwhile purchase from a business standpoint, Mike? Yeah, I think you buy the tape library and you murder the brand. And, and then it's just something they never have to think about again. You can tell that, like, what was it? John Cena was on a couple months ago and talking about AJ Styles' history. He mentioned Ring of Honor. He mentioned New Japan. He mentioned PWG. He sure yep. did. And did not say TNA. I think, like, there is some very real acrimony between these two companies. And I feel like what they what Vince intends to do is pay a dollar over whatever they're worth just to bury them into the ground permanently and and to see what kind of money he can get, you know, from the tapes or just adding that value to the uh, to the existing tape on the network. Well, you know, when when you got your competition, you got to squeeze the life out of your competition. Danielle, what do you think? Yeah, no, I think Vince definitely sleeps on the graves of federations that he has murdered <laughs> for sure. And I think that for much less than they paid than you will ever pay for a Linda McMahon government Senate run, you can get all the TNA you could ever want. So why wouldn't they just, you know, well, Vince, get ready for a nice new throw pillow on that, <laughs> on that bed of wrestling company graves. So no doubt we're going to be keeping an eye out for all the news about this for the next few days. Who knows? There could be an announcement the day this comes out. We are, of course, recording this on a Wednesday. So who knows what tomorrow may bring? Oh, I bet that he's just going around making jokes about smashed pumpkins. Oh. I bet he's making so many jokes about smashed pumpkins. Well, goddamn, pal. Don't you like that joke about smashed pumpkins? <laughs> After the break, we've got other things for wrestling that we think you need to appreciate. That's up next on Tights and Fights. Why would you listen to a podcast of TV pilots that never got made? It must not have been any good, right? I don't know for a fact that anyone read it. They couldn't get the deal done. There was kind of a regime change. Someone at the studio who was in a decision-making capacity said, these guys seem like losers. They just blamed it on, okay, well, it must be women. We got word that USA had decided to stop doing comedy. Why aren't we making this? It was so good. Hear the TV comedies you never got to see on the Dead Pilot Society podcast. 
Listen on MaximumFun.org or wherever you download podcasts. Tyson Bites Podcast. Tyson Welcome back to Tights and Fights. I'm Hal Lublin, and with me in the booth are... Danielle Radford. And... Michael Eagle. Correct. Promise. Yes, All right. Please. Do you promise? I do promise. All right. I mean it this time. Yay. Okay. I'm going to believe you. I've been okay. hurt before. I know. Me too. To finish off the show, we're going to put over three things from wrestling that we thought were funny or interesting. We call it the three count. Three count. Kick us off. What are you going to put over? I am putting over um, Bianca Blair, who is a, like, she's a track and field star, and she's dope, and she murdered the WWE NXT Combine, and she did so well that they put a video up um, of her and how much she destroyed everything in her path on the WWE YouTube, and so we'll listen to a little clip of that right now. The PC Combine, what it meant to me was uh, testing on all different levels, speed, agility, and strength. My athletic background before coming to WWE, I ran track a majority of my life, started when I was five, and I earned a full scholarship to uh, Division I schools and ran collegiate track. I was a 100-meter hurdler and 400-meter hurdler. I did CrossFit for about two years and then uh, found my way into NXT. It's so... I. I Granted, okay, so the music behind her was a little slow jammed, but <laughs> if you watch the video, she's this like bright, bubbly girl next door, um, adorable face, ready for TV, cute, cute smile, and she's just like she's she's lifting four hundred pounds. She's running in like a stupid amount of sec- seconds, and y'all know that I have been. I have not made it quiet that I have been on the hunt for a less breakable Sasha, <laughs> and so she uh, she is now in the running. Um, for one of my, and they'll all be sub Sasha's. Sasha still has my heart. <laughs> sub They're all just, you know. But so she'll be on that sub Sasha team, her and Ember Moon. And I'm really excited <laughs> to see um, where she takes it because it seems like someone as cute and incre- and charming um, and dominating as she is is going to have a future. And I'm excited to see it. Um, hashtag Black Girl Magic. Nice. J- Julian. Can I get that music for a second real quick? <laughs> I, a, I think we have a good song for, for this. Let me just hear that real quick. NXT Combine. <laughs> <laughs> NXT Combine. Yeah. See, that's the theme song for the new NXT Combine special. Yo, we need videos so bad. <laughs> we need videos so bad. So bad. Oh. NXT Combine. <laughs> it's the NXT Combine. <laughs> I hope you carry those heavy weights over there, girls and boys. Shake weights. Shake weights. <laughs> Work those shake weights. Work in those shake weights. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mike, oh my God. what do you want to put over? What uh, you want to put over? I want to put you over, Hal. Oh, uh, thanks, buddy. Halbert. <laughs> Grown man Hal that was never a baby. <laughs> um, I'm putting over uh, everyone's favorite wrestling program, Talking Smack, once again. Yeah. Uh, Cena's promo last night where he uh, answered the things that Ambrose said about him the week before was just absolutely magical. I don't know 
I don't know whose decision it was to kind of have these work shoot moments every week, but they're like they're, they they do so much for me in my life, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> so much for me, because um, it it is it gets so difficult to tell what's real and what's imagined, and you get a sense that they're coming from a very genuine place with how they're talking about each other, and you get a sense for how, what they really think about each other. And I hope that that's not ultimately like damaging for the business at all. I hope it's all good and cool, and they're just rolling with it. But it's it's created some truly magical moments, like uh, this little bit we heard from Cena last night on Talking Smack. No, I don't stand and dress where Dean Ambrose dresses. But this is where someone has twisted reality. Dean Ambrose said John Cena and Dean Ambrose don't like each other. No, Dean Ambrose doesn't like John Cena. John Cena doesn't care about Dean Ambrose. And if Dean wants me to make Dean wants me to care about him at no mercy, he'll either step up. Or step aside. And that's it. Oh, that was so wow. savage. Oh. oh, that hurt. Oh, this is a beautiful thing. Oh, that hurt. Oh, see, now I want to see him fight in a wrestling ring. Yeah, right? You know now what you want to see him fight. How yeah. about that? And that's what you do now. That's the new kayfabe is you blur those lines. Right. It's, at, it's at its best when those lines are blurred. And they keep doing that. And Talking Smack has wound up being like the hidden gem oh, so good. of the WWE. Now they got to do that every every week though. They're like a good three four weeks in a row now. Like somebody coming on there dropping a bomb. So I don't they're know. getting it. Yeah, they're doing it. How they gonna you know? How they gonna follow up? You know? I feel like the one thing about Talking Smack though is the theme song. Julian, can I get that music one more time? The fingers to talk. The fingers. We're talking smack about each other. Where those lines? Talking about SmackDown. Smack. Yeah. Talking about SmackDown. Talking about smack. Girl, I'm sorry that you talked smack about me the other day. I deserved it. What can I do to be a better partner in general? <laughs> I hate to air our dirty laundry in a song, but I sure am going to do it because I want to show how committed I am to improving our relationship. He'll even go to counseling. <laughs> guys, I want to put over... This may be a shock to you guys. Instead of being a hidden gem, the, the overt gem of WWE is, of course, Y2J, Chris what? Jericho. We can all agree. What? I don't. No. Everybody calm what? down, please. This is my time. <laughs> For once, I'm going to put over Chris Jericho on this damn show. It's about time, Hal. We've been waiting. I know. I like, when is he? Wait no longer, because this week, the architect of the list of Jericho, who added somebody from the crowd to the list <laughs> on his way down to the ring, had a... Uh, <laughs> a great highlight reel with his best friend in the world, the longest reigning Universal Champion of all time, Kevin Owens, when they were interrupted rudely by Enzo and Big Cass, which led to this great exchange. And I love dumb heels. Here's the dumb heel at its finest. So you're giving out gifts, right? And you're making a list and apparently checking it twice for spelling errors. Does this guy think he is? Who are you? Santa Claus? Maybe I am Santa Claus. Maybe I'll come down there and sit on your lap. It's so great. Like, I love serious Chris Jericho in the suit. I like the wacky Chris Jericho of the early 2000s, that heel version. But th- this is... This is peak, peak Jericho. I it is peak. Like next level. Yeah. He's figured out a way to go next level and make the crowd boo him 
out of respect for what he's doing. Like, you are earning all of these booze, even though we love you. You know what's holding him back? What? The light-up jacket. <laughs> he's dropped it. Yeah, after yeah. that. Yeah. The man has, has spread his wings and fly. All it took was a little less material. Yeah. Just yeah. How much does... Can't fly with a light bulb. How much does he owe by Dean Ambrose now? He $17,000. $17, <laughs> and there's no way you'll get it back. Oh, trash-talking Dean Ambrose in Cincinnati. Brilliant. Oh, that does it for this week on Tights and Fights. We are a podcast of the Maximum Fun Network. Our hosts are Danielle Radford and Mike Eagle, along with me, Hal Lublin. Our producer slash man behind the glass is Julian Burrell. Senior producer at Maximum Fun is Colin Anderson. Mike Eagle is also behind our theme music, so thank you to him for that. Yay. Remember, we need your help to make this show grow, okay? So you share it with your friends and online if you like what you're hearing. Sounds like a threat. I swear it's not. After you do that, go ahead and do what Meltzer never does to wrestling matches. Rate us five stars on iTunes. Help us get to 400 followers on Twitter this week. The page is at Tights Fights. And find us at Facebook.com slash groups slash Tights Fights to get all sorts of fun wrestling stuff throughout the week. We'll be back next week to talk about even more, you guessed it, wrestling. Tights and Fights Podcast. Tights and Fights. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.